Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, open them up. New Testament. Philippians. Who wrote the book of Philippians? Paul. And you know that it comes after Galatians and Ephesians. Because God eats popcorn. <laughs> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Thank you, Emily Faber. Forever and ever. I will know that because of you. All right, we've entitled it, Dear, and then with that blank, you're supposed to fill in your name, Love God, because don't you know that the Bible was written to you? It is a letter written to you. It's more than just a historical text. It's more than just words written 2,000 years ago for people 2,000 years ago. Yes, it was written for them, but it has been inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit, and through it, God desires to speak to each one of us today. Do you believe that about the Bible? Do you? When, when you open it up, do you say, man, this is the living Word of God? This actually has, I would say, you know, back growing up in my, my early days, they would say it's fresh manna, right? This is new manna for today. Every day, they would call it your daily bread. Do you believe that? That God has something in here for you that as you open it, He is actually giving you nourishment for today. I believe that. I hope you do too. Because if you believe that, if you believe this is a daily word, nourishment for today, bread for today, then don't you know He has something for you today? He has a word for you today. He has a meal for you today. And as we read in this letter that Paul wrote to this church in Philippi, I hope you're picking up on the truth And over the last couple of weeks that there is truth after truth, eternal truth after truth found in this letter that is straight from the heart of God to you. To you. If you've missed the first two weeks, I want to encourage you, go online, listen on our website or listen to the podcast on iTunes, whatever you've got to do to uh, get some of this word into you and, and, and follow along in this series because there's just things, I just, I've been reading this letter every day, and as I, and as I read it, I just, there's just these things, these, these truths, these unchanging truths that God wants each one of us to hear. And, and Paul, in, in, in Philippians 2, and that's where we're going to be today, again, it's just chock full of these eternal truths. I hope you're taking advantage of Sunday mornings as well. Uh, Sunday morning, please let it not just be a time to check off the box and say, well, I did my duty, hopefully I'm still going to heaven and move on with life. I mean, in, on a Sunday morning, it's amazing. We can all be here, but the reality, our hearts can all be in different places. And I, I guess it would be my prayer that our hearts would be in a place where they would actually be open to receiving what God would have to say to us today. And, and I can't make you do that. The worship team can't make you do that. It's a choice that we each have to make. That God, I want my heart to be a safe place, an open place for your word to dwell and your spirit to dwell because don't you know he wants to speak to us today he has a lot to say so here we go philippians chapter 2 follow with me therefore if there's any encouragement from being united with christ if any comfort from his love any common sharing in the spirit any tenderness and compassion make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit one of mind do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't look at your own interests, but each of you look at the interests of others in your relationships with one another. You're going to have the same mindset of who? Of Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is what? That he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
the living Word of God. Anybody else, when you read that, you're just like, come on. That's who my Jesus is. The mindset of Jesus Christ right there on display. Well, if you're going to read chapter 2, you've got to read chapter 1. You've got to kind of get into chapter 2. So we're going to back up, turn the page the other way. Chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to read these four verses together. This kind of sets up chapter 2. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's for us, by the way, not just for them back in the day. Then when I, when I come to you and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'm going to know that you stand firm in the, say this together, one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them they're going to be destroyed, but that you're going to be saved in that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Thank you, Lord, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Therefore, see, yeah, if there's going to be a therefore, there has to be something before the therefore for the therefore to make sense. So here I am being one spirit, striving together as one in the faith for the gospel. Therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any sharing in the common spirit, any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, instead to the interests of others. Wow, Paul, there's a lot in there. And I only got like 25 minutes. Well, let's look at verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion. All right, so let's write these down. You're going to have to help me out. If there's any... What's the first one? In what? In what? Encouragement in... In being united uh, in Christ. That sounds good. Uh, what's the second one? Comfort. All right, next one. Common sharing. What's the next one? Tenderness and compassion. Okay. Any. All right. Paul's assumption on this, if there's any, blah, 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 his assumption is yes, by the way. Right? The assumption is yes. Paul would just be a resounding yes assumption for the believers he's writing to. And that means there's also the assumption that there'd be a resounding yes in this body of Christ right now uh, in October 2015. That yes, of course. Right? Yes, there's an encouragement in Christ, comfort from His love, common sharing that I'm giving and serving and, and giving people in need and tenderness and a compassion. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But before we get to verse 2, I just want to pause there. I want to allow each one of us to really examine that in our own lives. Especially if we're a Christian here this morning. Is the answer yes for you? Like, take this seriously. Yes, honestly, evaluate in your life. Do I find encouragement in Jesus Christ? Do I find comfort from his love? Comfort. It's more than just like this idea or a bumper sticker or something that you get at the, you know, the, the Christian bookstore. I'm talking about like real tangible comfort from Jesus Christ. Is that in your life? Is there a common sharing in the spirit? Meaning, have you gotten your eyes off yourself yet and gotten your eyes onto God and onto others? With a common sharing. Is there a tenderness within you? 
If you want to know there's a tenderness within you, just ask your spouse. They'll know. Compassion. Is there compassion within you? And it's important that you hear this this morning. That as you walk with Jesus, these are the things that happen. Not a pipe dream, not a fantasy, not a fairy tale. This is the reality of who you are in Christ. That as you walk with Jesus, these are the things that happen. It's just part of the deal. It's part of the change that takes place in you as a Christian, as a Christ follower. Everybody say change. 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 You know, I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. and I talk a lot about how the Holy Spirit is in the business of changing us to become more like Jesus Christ. And I do that because I, I just have a passion for people to come alive in Christ. Being a Christian is more than just having a ticket to heaven. It's more than just tacking on Jesus and remaining the same. It is actually this abundant, joy-filled life where you can live the adventure. And yes, there's some highs and there's some lows, but He's never going to leave you. He's going to be with you. You can shout it as well with my soul, even in the midst of the deepest storm. But I know that every day He's changing me. I'm not the same as I was yesterday, as I was a month ago, as I was a year ago. Jesus Christ is making me who He wants to make me. He's going to finish the good work that He started in me in Christ Jesus. There is glory in being a Christian because I know that He is working on me and every day I'm becoming more and more like who? Jesus. Jesus. Good job. It's important that we understand that. It's more than just getting to heaven. There is actually the possibility, the excitement of being changed by God. Do you believe that He is changing you? If recently you've become a Christian, maybe you've recently become a Christian, I know there's some of you here, and you're like, well, now what? Well, this is what I tell you. Trust in the Lord with all you got, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just give Him it all. And actually hear the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Take some chances on whether it's the Holy Spirit or not. You'll get some discernment on what His voice is and what is just the Mexican from the night before. But just really just begin to hear from the Holy Spirit. And do those things. And if you do those things, guess what? He's going to change you. It's a promise. And as He changes you, I mean, you're, some, I get it. Like some people are like, I said yes to Christ and now like, there's, there's nothing. Like, what's the big deal? This is the big deal right here. In Christ, you have encouragement. In Christ, you have comfort. In Christ, you are now part of a body. You are part of a community. It's no longer just about your selfish gain and your selfish ambition. It's about others. And there's a tenderness and there's a compassion in you. It's just part of the deal. It's part of the package. Just in verse 1, these are eternal truths about Jesus. And they're eternal truths about those who hang with Jesus. These are the rights that you have as one who has been saved by Jesus. Have you ever thought of it that way? This is your right. This is your right. Don't let anyone steal this away from you. That is your right as someone who's been saved by Jesus. Do you believe this this morning? Now, if you're not there, if you're not finding encouragement, not finding comfort in Jesus, if you're not serving those around you and sharing with those around you, if you're not expressing tenderness and compassion, I would say it's time for a heart check. It's time to ask the tough questions. And I don't know the answer to these, by the way, and this is between you and the Lord. But ask these questions. Am I really walking with Jesus? Am I truly a Christ follower or am I just giving lip service to the Lord? Those are tough questions, right? But to be honest, 
Get honest. It's, it's healthy to evalu- evaluate your life situation. Examine the choices you're making. I do this from time to time, and I, I believe this is so good. I take my life, how I'm really living, like how I'm living, right? From morning till night, how, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, you know, my actual life. And I take that and compare it to what the Bible says and how the Bible says I should be spending my mornings and my nights and my thinking and my speaking and my doing. And I just compare the two. And I, I take a hard look at my life. Not to condemn me, but to, to help my, just really to help myself get to a place where, oh, Holy Spirit, come and teach me and guide me and lead me because I need your help. And some of the questions you should be asking is, he, is he really the Lord of my life? Right? Because that's what happens, right? When you become a Christian, you confess him as Lord and you confess him as your Savior. Is he really the Lord of, of my life? The Lord, like the one that I serve. Like, is he the one where I take my rights, my dreams, my passions, my vision, the things that I have for my life, and do I lay them down before him, saying, God, I surrender. In fact, not my will, but whose will be done, but your will be done. Is he really your Lord? Is he your master? Ask those questions. Is he my savior? And, and think about it in the way you live. Is he my savior? Is he the one who gets the praise and the glory and the honor for saving me? Is he, uh, is his name the one that is praised? Is his name the one that is put up on lights because he rescued me from my sin? Because he saved me from my sin? Because he brought me from death to life? You gotta take inventory sometimes. You just gotta make sure our faith is more than just one of those good bumper stickers, right? Surface level Christianity. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. How are you? Great. I'm good. You're good. Oh yay. Let's go on with our life. Let's go deeper. I'm a Christian. In adversity and storms of life, I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ. When all is, seems lost, when all hope is gone, I find encouragement in you, Jesus Christ. I find comfort. It is well within my soul. It's a little deeper than just playing church. <laughs> and if you're struggling with that, what I would encourage you, if, if you are a Christian here this morning, don't allow Satan to condemn you any longer. Claim these truths. It's time, today, I mean, I'm not, don't wait till tomorrow. Just claim these truths. Sometimes we get, let feelings get in the way of this, right? How I feel. But these are the realities of who you are in Christ. I was thinking about this the other day when I was studying this. And, and that you've got to live like you actually believe it. So you might need to write this on your mirror at home. Just write it on your mirror. And then when you get up, because, you know, we all wake up feeling different ways, right? Not all of us are singing Mary Poppins when we wake up. So you get up. Look at the mirror. Say, yeah, Jesus, you're encouraging me today. I find my encouragement in you. I find my comfort in you. Even though my body is completely full of pain from the top of my head to the bottom soles of my feet, I find comfort in you today, Jesus. And I believe that I can express a tenderness and a compassion and share my life, pour out my life because of who you are, Jesus, right now in my life. In the midst of despair and even struggling with depression or whatever it is, you can claim these rights. These are mine in Christ Jesus. Don't you know when you do that, you shine light in the darkness? Because the world expects the other. The world expects the opposite of this. But when you claim these truths, the light shines in the darkness. Hallelujah. All right, new idea. So Christians, born again believers, we are new in Christ. We have these benefits in Christ. Now that we've got that settled, Paul says, okay, if that's who you are, 
If that's who you are, he says, may your joy or may my joy be complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each two of you to the interests of others. Okay, so let's just write this down really quick. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. You're going to have to help me out again. Like-minded. What's next? Same love. Next. One in spirit. Paul, you're ridiculous. This can never happen. But anyways, one in spirit. What's next? One mind. It sounds like a song. One mind. You too should sing it. What's next? Oh, no selfish ambition. Are you kidding me? I feel, I feel like my whole school system was all about me having selfish ambition. So this is getting awkward. Okay, ambition. What's next? No vain conceit. What? You're so vain. Probably think the song is about vain. Okay. All right. What's next? Rather in humility. Uh oh. Humility. Humility is a scary word. Don't you know that the world will just walk all over you? Uh, not looking to your own interest. Oh, value others above yourselves. Uh oh. Value others above yourself okay i think there's one more here um not looking to your interest but each look to the interests of others um and this is like everything opposite of what the counselor told me okay look to the interest to the interest of others i mean right this sounds like an unhealthy relationship look to the interest of others Wow, this doesn't seem fair at all, by the way, either. But okay, moving on. I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, this is where my brain goes. So here's the thing. If we actually did these things, and I'm sorry for the bad headwriting, but if we actually did these things, can you imagine how the atmosphere would change? Like radically change in the community. I'm talking about Milton and Edgewood. If we actually walked these things out, like we only need like 20, 30 of us to actually walk these things out and things would radically change in our community. And by the way, things are happening I heard two prayer requests. I think I gave them to you. Another one, a guy was going to get his coffee this morning and the guy says, hey, you go to that church at Lifespring. The, he goes, well, um, and he goes, yeah, I do because he's gotten that coffee from that guy every Sunday morning. And the guy says, well, would you pray for my shoulder? On the way to church, the barista asked this guy to pray for a shoulder. Hallelujah. This is what happens. You change the atmosphere. You change the environment when you begin to live this way. All right, if we walked in this kind of unity, this oneness, if we had this level of humility, humility is so dangerous because it, it's just like, oh, man, people are going to take advantage of me. And yes, they're going to take advantage of you. But if you walked in that kind of humility where you honestly valued others above yourselves, look to the interests of others above yourselves, buckle up. Because if we did that, our ch- churches and our communities would change so fast. Just verses three and four. Can you imagine the atmosphere in our homes and how they would change if we valued others above ourselves, if we looked at the interest of others over ourselves. I want to say that again. Can you imagine how the atmosphere in our homes, your home, would change if we valued others above ourselves, looked at the interest of others over ourselves? And by the way, we always love for the other person to be the problem. That starts with us, doesn't it? 
I was in a doctor's office the other day and, and I heard the nurse outside and she was just talking to another nurse and she, she was just going at it. She goes, man, and I gave that boy such a whooping. I, I didn't just hit on the clothes. You know, I took off uh, the, the pants. I took off the diaper and it was skin to skin and I was hitting him so hard that my hand got tired. And the other girl says, well, you should have used the belt. And she's like, well, I don't use the belt. That's for his dad. And, and I, like this isn't a spanking, no spanking thing. Like I get it. Sometimes you have to go into that world, you know, depending on... The situation, like I don't want to give a sermon on spanking, but I just thought the atmosphere in that room, what it must have been like. It was not an atmosphere where you thought of others above yourselves, where you valued others above yourselves. Can you, I mean, and maybe you're stuck in that way of thinking, right? Where you're just really good at seeing others around you. And when you look at others, including your spouse and, and your kids, you just think, how can they make me happy? How they can meet my needs, how they can show me respect, how they can value me and what I desire. If you're younger in this room, maybe you're stuck thinking so much about yourself that you believe the sole reason your parents and siblings exist is to make you happy, take care of your interests and value your needs. Maybe you think that way. I'm just going to say that is completely the opposite of what Paul just said. Completely the opposite. This man, inspired by God, is the opposite of what he wrote. If you want to change the atmosphere of your house, start living this out. By the way, the opposite of all this, that's what we're all really good at in the flesh, right? All of us. I don't care who you are. If you're the Pope, we're just all really good at the opposite of that. In the flesh, it comes naturally because sin has a hold of this world and sin's got a hold of us outside of Christ. And because of that, what Paul is describing is impossible. It really, I mean, it's impossible. Look at that. It's impossible. It is not possible. I mean, have you tried to love someone before? (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Have you tried to love? It is so hard. Have you tried to be humble? Have you tried to walk in humility? It is so hard. When you start walking in humility, people will start walking over you. And people will start taking advantage of you. Have you been out into this world? It is a cruel, cruel world. And Paul says, have the same love, one in spirit, have the same mind. The big idea again from chapter 1, standing firm in one spirit, striving together as one, 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 one for the faith of the gospel. Are you kidding me? How could we ever have the same love? How could we ever be one in spirit with the same mind? How could that ever happen? I mean, how could there ever be that level and that intensity of agreement? Families have been torn apart. Nations have been torn apart over disagreements that they have with each other. I mean, we are just so good at disagreeing with each other. We can't even agree on whether the dress was white and gold or blue and black. That's when God comes in. By His grace. By His love. And He whispers into our ears. He whispers into the ears of His children. Come close to me. Come close to me. What's not possible with man, it's possible with me. It's possible with me. And and He calls you by name. He says, Dear, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We just run through that verse so quickly to get to the next part, which is so good. But just look at that. I mean, all of this chart is impossible on your own. In your flesh, I mean, you're in trouble. But Paul isn't asking us to operate in the flesh. God would never call you to operate in the flesh, to just muscle it up, right? Try with a bunch of willpower. You know, just try harder, Dan. Just try harder. No, Scripture says 
that we are new creations. We're born again. The old is gone. The new has come. The Holy Spirit's in us, leading us, changing us, guiding us, and that we have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but who? It's Christ in me, the hope of what? Glory. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Christ in me, with Christ in me, I can have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes this possible. Where it seems so impossible, Jesus makes it possible. And you've got to hear this from the Lord God Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. You've got to hear this from Him to you, this eternal truth to you this morning. Dear, and put your name in there, in your relationships with one another. And you know you have some relationships. And you know they're not all so... Fine and dandy. But in your relationships with one another, you, you have the same mindset as my son, Jesus. I love what the English Standard Version says. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. It's yours. Did you see that? It says, this mind, it's yours in Christ Jesus. Do you believe it? That it's yours? That it's yours? That you can claim it this morning? That it's your mind in Christ Jesus. It's yours. Everybody say, it's mine. It's mine. Say it again. It's mine. Do you believe that? Oh, I just, my heart breaks as I know some of the things some of you are going through. And you need to claim this morning, it is mine in Christ Jesus today. It's mine. If your mind is anywhere other than what is up on that board, and yet you are a follower of Jesus Christ right now in this moment, you need to claim That mind of Jesus. Claim that mindset of Jesus. It's mine. Impossible in your own flesh, but possible in Jesus. See, on on this board, it is actually possible. It's not a fantasy, a pipe dream, or a fairy tale. It is the possibility of you being a Christian. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the same mindset of Christ. And then Paul goes off. He shows us what this mindset of Christ really looks like. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking what? By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Our king, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death to a cross. Therefore, God is glory. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the mindset of Jesus looks like. Theologically, there's a lot to be said in that passage, but more than anything, what I want us to get today is that this passage is the mindset of Christ. It's the mindset of God the Son. Though He was God, though He could command His angels with a single word, He poured Himself out, seeking not His own advantage. As a man in the flesh, He humbled Himself unto death on the cross. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this, that this is what our God is like. You want to know what God is like? This is what our God is like. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, right now, we can have the same mindset of Christ. Growing, moving, breathing in us, living in us. No longer living, but Christ in me, living the hope of glory. And as Christ is displayed in my life, these things are displayed in my life. Possible, 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 possible. Do you believe that about your life? Claim it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, you and me, Maurice. We're going into the battle together, buddy. It's mine. See, the mindset of Christ is here. And as the mindset of Christ is here, it is changing the atmosphere. And it's through you, and you, and you, 
and you, and you, and you, and you. Every one of us playing our part. And you begin to see the mindset of Christ on display. And it's changing the atmosphere. As nitrogen and oxygen make up most of the atmosphere. These things begin to make up the atmosphere of the Christian life. It is good. It is so good. So good. I love hanging around with people who are examples of this. I love Maurice. Hallelujah. There's a couple in the church. They've really gripped Mary and I in this way. We've been talking with them since March. And man, we've been talking about some radical things. I'm like, are you sure God said that? They're like, yeah, God said that. And, and, and a lot of people say radical things to me, but I'm always like, well, let's see what actually happens. But these people have actually been taking radical step after step after step after step in obedience to what God is calling them to do. They've honestly walked this out in an amazing way. It's been so fun on my end to watch. Great examples of what we're talking about today. I wanted to find time to let them share a little bit about their journey that they've already been on, but but also the journey that is to come. So would you welcome with me Ryan and Tamara McIntyre. Are you looking for this? I need that. All right. Ready? All right. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, church, for letting us speak here today. Um, Life Spring has been a hub in our lives for the last... Ten, nine, ten years or so, a place of friends and family. Um, we appreciate all that you guys have done uh, through the different seasons of our lives. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, today we're going to share with you uh, where we're headed in our next season. And God's been calling us to Papua New Guinea uh, to serve the Bibleist people groups there with Wycliffe Bible Translators um, so that those who have not heard will understand. And our story starts... 13 years ago or so, uh, when Tamara and I were just friends. Uh, so when I was growing up, I don't remember having an interest in long-term missions, uh, but God had a plan for me. And in the spring of 2002, excuse me, my thoughts of what the future held were changed forever. I had traveled to Papua New Guinea on a short-term mission trip, uh, mainly focusing on doing some medical work in some of the more remote islands. Uh, And I had the opportunity to see firsthand the joy that Christ and the Word of God can bring. Uh, These people just had an incredible desire for Christ. And uh, through Scripture, they'd seen relationships mended, physical ailments healed, and spiritual oppressions lifted. Um, I was amazed at the faith that I witnessed when I was there. Uh, People with absolutely nothing, if judged by our standards, would worship with no reservations whatsoever. And uh, naively, I went on that trip expecting, I don't know, to do great things and to touch others. Uh, but it was, you know, God used that trip to touch me instead. And I came home from that trip with a strong call to missions. For me, serving as an overseas missionary was really a desire of my heart. Um, as missionaries would come to church and speak, it was always something that just resonated with me, something that I just really wanted to do. Yes, God, I can do that. I want to do that. Um, but God really confirmed that word in me with the verse Romans 15, 20 and 21. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. The really funny thing about this verse is that um, it was a verse that God gave to me. And it was a verse that God also gave to Ryan. And so as I was praying about this desire of my heart, I met Ryan. And with that, our relationship deepened. And we got married. 
And then we hit a roadblock. What, what could we really offer the mission field? We did not see the skills that we had that we could use on the mission field. So, very frustrated without a clear answer to that question, we just kicked the missionary can down the road, about 13 years down the road. And, um, but God was really faithful, and he called us again earlier this year using a picture that was on Ryan's desk at work. That's 13 oh, years ago. Ryan, <laughs> look at you. You kind of look the same. And Kelly knew us 13 years ago. I would look just like that if I shaved. About 12 years old, I would look like. Yeah. Um, so that picture is on my desk. A coworker came by one day. I uh, just asked about it. What were you doing? Where were you? All that kind of good stuff. And so I was in San New Guinea, actually writing a letter to Tamara in that picture. This was before we were dating or anything. Um, that conversation kind of set my researching personality in motion. Uh, I did not go with Wycliffe to Papua New Guinea on that trip, but we did stay at Wycliffe Regional Center while we were there. Um, Based on that, I went to the Wycliffe website that day and uh, just to see what the organization was all about, what they did. Um, just thought it was pretty innocent. No big, no big deal, right? Uh, but as I read about the support structure needed in the Bible translation efforts, my eyes were opened. Um, at that point, I realized that the skills that God had developed in Tamara and I over uh, the, those 13 years were useful in the body of Christ. So he came home from work that day and he says to me, I inquired about something today. I said, oh, what was that? And he said, I reached out to a Wycliffe recruiter to serve overseas missions. And I was shocked. And I was silent, absolutely silent. So probably not the response that you want to get from your wife when you put this giant faith thing out on the table. Um, so a few days later, Ryan came to me and he said, why haven't you said anything? Because a little backstory, I've I've always kind of been over the years like, don't forget, God called us to the mission field. So, but then he says it to me and I was silent and he asked why. And I just said, you know, I was really wrestling with God um, when Ryan came to me and tore that veil down, the security of maybe going but not going, you know, about trusting him and um, really trusting him with my children. But after allowing some time for God to work on my heart and to really teach me that they're his kids first, um, we did make the decision to join Wycliffe Bible Translators. Very exciting. Um, because we really believe in their sustainable and practical approach of Bible translation as a way to reach all the people groups in the world. It's funny you say sustainable. Eventually we'll work ourselves out of a job, right? Once all the Bibles are translated. Um, yeah, we have joined Wycliffe uh, as regional center managers. Uh, where our gifts of service, management, maintenance, and logistics will work in harmony, filling the needs of the Bible translators. Uh, our role will include a variety of things, the gathering, uh, delivering supplies, repairs, facilitating travel in the region, um, even giving those serving in the villages a place for rest at the guest house at the regional center property. Uh, but why Bible translation? Why did this pull on our hearts? Well... Let me ask you about this and actually being here for second service and really just listening to Dan talk about the word and this is life. This is what we live by. This is God speaking to us. I mean, really think about if you didn't have a Bible that you could read and maybe you had a Bible you could read in a second language to you, but you couldn't read all of it. You couldn't read the translated words for sin or grace or peace or love. 
these complicated words. So um, I just we went to our first of three trainings in Orlando with Whitcliffe just last month, and they have a museum there. It's called the Discovery Center. And in the middle, there's this dark tower. You go and sit inside of it. And as you're sitting there, these lights shine on the walls, and it shows people's faces from around the world as they tell their story about how the Bible was a light in their life. And it shines on the wall to this this man, and he starts telling his story about how he knew that God had called him to be a pastor. Um, But he had a problem. He didn't have a translated Bible that he could fully understand, and he didn't have a translated Bible that he could share with his people group. Um, So he prayed, and translators came to his village, and he got a translated Bible, and he was able to fulfill that calling that God had put on his life. Um, He knew that that was an answer of prayer. So this story was really impactful to me about about why Bible translation and why it's so important. So we have another story to share with you. This is going to be a video, and um, it's from Papua New Guinea. It's the Kondawo people group there, and they received their New Testament earlier this year in their translated word.
Get All right. Back. So that video has some creepy music. But besides <laughs> that, it really spoke uh, to Tamara and I um, the first time we saw it. Yeah. Um, I think it really illustrates the need for people to have the Bible in their their heart language, their native language, something they, uh, you know, like Tamara said, that has all those words that they, they can really understand. Um, you know, our English translation of the Bible has only been in existence for a couple hundred years. Uh, many people dedicated their lives to see our translation completed because they believe that all should have God's word uh, in their own language, that every man should be able to read the word of God that brings hope, love, and salvation. We reap the benefits of those efforts to this day. Think about it. What if that hadn't have happened? Uh, this concept really is very distant in our society to be Bibleless. Uh, many of us have numerous copies of the Bible, multiple translations, and we can we can take our pick. We have uh, hundreds of translations available to us, um, but that is just not the case everywhere in the world. Um, it is estimated roughly at 180 million people speaking nearly 18 or no nearly 1900 distinct and living languages don't have access to read God's word in their mother tongue and they continue to live in darkness they don't have the tools and understanding necessary to fully live in the light of Christ uh, someday we will see God's word printed in every language that is in need Tamara and I are excited to be a part of making this a reality but it is a long road ahead um, and naturally, in Bible translating, the translators are on the front lines. And the two of us kind of struggled with the impact of our roles. Uh, God really worked in us and showed us the error in our thinking. If there were no pilots, uh, the translating efforts would be much more difficult. If there were no mechanics to support the pilots and keeping the planes in the air would, again, be much more difficult. Now, the point is that the whole body uh, working together is vital to accomplishing the goal. Uh, you know, it took us quite a while to find where we fit into the body of Christ, and I'm sure uh, many of you have wondered the same thing. Maybe some of you will end up as missionaries, maybe even to Papua New Guinea. Uh, if that's the case, then we would love to see you there. That's not everyone's calling. As Whitcliffe members, we're responsible for building partnership teams. So we need committed and passionate people to come alongside and pray with us. And we need to, you to let us know that you want to do that because we want to communicate back and forth with you. The praises of things that God's doing because he is doing and moving in our lives incredibly. Our house just sold. We just moved. I mean, there's lots of things to praise the Lord for right now. Um, but also we have prayer requests too. And so we want to make sure that we know that you're praying for us so we can communicate with you. Um, but we are also responsible for um, getting a partnership team for finances um, to partner with our Wycliffe ministry. Wycliffe sets a monthly ministry budget for us that we have to meet before we can go to Papua New Guinea. And as visual people, we need four volunteers to help give us a visual for everybody else. It's really easy. You don't have to do much. You no microphone needed. Something. I just need someone to hold October. Kelly. Come on, Kelly. I need November. All right, come on. December. We need November. And we need a January. Still need a January. There, let me get in front of you there, Randy. All right, so there's a few steps to getting to New Guinea for us. Uh, our goal is to be there 
July of 2016. Uh, to do that, we need to make this training class January 20th. It's at the JARS Center in North Carolina. To get there, we need to meet 50% of our uh, monthly ministry budget by December. December 1st. So that's uh, where are we at? This is today. This that's is today. the 18th. So about six weeks. And right here in November 4th, we're going to have another night at the church here where you guys can just get to know us more, know more about Papua New Guinea, Bible translation, Wycliffe, ask questions, time of prayer, and really good dessert. So, <laughs> All right. But what we're focused on is our 50% by December 1st. We just found this out a couple weeks ago that that is um, our first goal for financial partnership, and um, we are really praying and believing in the blessing that God set in front of us to meet this ministry budget. Um, our total ministry budget is just over $6,000 a month while we're in Papua New Guinea. So 50% of that will be about $3,000 a month in financial partnership by December 1st. So, and that breakdown, we can share that with you, but there's the, there's the numbers. Well, we don't have much, just under 10%, I believe, um, Right now, and we just started, we became official members August 1st, so then we went to training for um, just over two weeks in September, and we just got back in October um, 5th, so we just started um, with our partnership teams just now. Yep, this is the first big, big deal. Everything else is just, you know, we've done face-to-faces, but this is the first, I don't know, church meeting we've done so far. So. Woo. All right. <laughs> doing great. All right. Thank okay, you. Okay, you guys are done. Thank you very much. So as Tamara said, she gave you some figures. It's kind of a tall order to get done in six weeks. Um, But we believe it can be done. Uh, There is a need. Um, Wycliffe has eight regional centers in Papua New Guinea, and last figure we heard, there were five of them vacant. Um, And they're pretty vital roles. They've got some people filling in. Uh, but that means that other jobs are going without other roles. So the sooner we can get there, the better. And July is that goal. If we don't make this training class in January, it pushes everything back six months. So if anybody does plan on partnering with us, sooner the better. All right. Um, where are we at here? Anyways, yeah, we have a table set up out front. We would love to talk with you guys. We have... Uh, we have brochures, invitation partnerships uh, that you can take home. Um, we'd even love to set up a time. We'd get together for coffee, for dinner, and give you guys details. Uh, yeah. So let us work together to see the world filled with light, to see national pastors using their translated Bible to grow God's kingdom, and to see individuals using the one essential tool, the Holy Bible, um, to come to Christ and to grow in him and follow his callings. And so I just want to leave with this verse, and it's Matthew 24:35, where Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Thanks, guys. Ah, woo! Yeah! Oh, so like they're, they're just under 10%, which means they need another 40%, which means in the name of Jesus, we need to pray for this 40%. And I just, oh, I, I, one of the biggest things when I've talked to them is like, you got to get better at asking people for money. 
Um, because isn't that so awkward? Like, oh, but I told him, I said, it's not just about you. It's about the body. Let us be a part of what God is doing in Papua New Guinea. I'm probably not going to be a full-time missionary in Papua New Guinea, but boy, would it be great to send. We already have a couple in Papua New Guinea, right? We have uh, the mid-calves already in Papua New Guinea working for Wycliffe. We're not going to have a second couple going to Papua New Guinea. Are you kidding me? And I don't want to wait till January to send them. I want to send them in July. So hallelujah. Give them money. Pray for them. Sign up. Be a part of that. Uh, I'm just so, so excited uh, for them. I mean, they got three little kids and they're taking these three little kids out to Papua New Guinea. Uh, are you kidding me? That's life. That's the abundant. I just love that. And maybe we're not going to go to Papua New Guinea, but boy, could we just be a part of it. Just to be a part of it. Getting that Bible just fitting perfectly in their mind and perfectly in their heart. So Lord, I just thank you so much. I just pray a blessing on Ryan Samara. I just pray that there would be just an increase in their life, Lord. That they would see you come in in the miraculous way that you come in, Lord. And that you would provide, Lord, as only you provide. And I thank you that we get to be a part of that miracle today, Lord. What joy there is, Lord, for me to know that we can be a part of the miracle that you are doing in this family. And we pray over those 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 people that do not yet have the Bible in their heart language, Lord, that this would be an opportunity for your Bible, for your word, for your living word, the, the daily bread to be able to come into their hands, Lord, alive and speak to them just where they need to be spoken to by your holy word. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Let it be in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand and we'll uh, sing us out.